With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Brian McLean and Steve Hook at State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, well, welcome to State of the Nation with me, Steve Hook, and Brian McLean, a.k.a. Hesher, is out uh, for the remainder of this week and part of next week as well. I think we're going to probably get some phoners from him uh, as time goes by, uh, but he is, uh, we'll just call it, out on assignment. He will be back, fear not. Uh, but from uh, the Central Jersey Shore, I am Steve Hook, and it's uh, wonderful to have you on State of the Nation. We got a big, big show for you today. Oh, yes, we do. Both hours are chock full. We're going to be chatting with our buddy Steve Cohen uh, here in just a bit. We've also got uh, Cynthia Hughes from the Patriot Freedom Project joining us uh, in just a bit as well. So we've got a lot to dive into, including some events that are going on, well, that started today. Uh, it looks like the House has finally decided that they are, in fact, going to censure Representative Jamal uh, Bowman. That happened this morning. And, of course, a lot of people were, and you can well imagine the uh, typical usual suspects, were up in arms about this, i.e. Democrats. Hakeem Jeffries, the uh, minority leader in the House, said this is Republicans trying to waste time. It's always a, a bit rich when you see Democrats say that this is politically motivated, given what we have witnessed the last six plus years uh, with what Donald Trump went through. So I, I find that just it's just I mean, you just shake your head and say, I can't even believe they're trying to go here with this. Jamal Bowman, you may recall, he is a, he is one of the rare male squad members on the 2023 uh, who am I to, to 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 put a gender on him? But uh, Representative Jamal Bowman, you may recall, pulled the fire extinguisher uh, to get out of the Cannon House office building, uh, which uh, forced that building to be evacuated uh, right as uh, there was a debate going on concerning a, continue, a funding debate. Imagine that. And Jamal Bowman pulled the fire alarm and at first he claimed ignorance. He said, I, I, I thought I could, I, I thought, I don't know, what did he say? It was like, he thought it would open the doors. This guy's a former principal in a middle school. I think he knows what a fire alarm is. Everybody knows what it was. He at the time said, I was rushing to make a vote. I was trying to get through the door. I thought the alarm uh, would open the door and allow me to leave and go make my vote. And of course, it all came down uh, to him just BSing is what it was. So the House voted today 216 to 201 uh, to censure him, including, by the way, three Democrats went along with this. So uh, that's what's going to happen. He has to pay a $1,000 fine. He basically gets kind of called out on the carpet, embarrassed about this, uh, and and, and that's going to be the extent of it. That's It's not like what happened with Santos. There's no expulsion or anything like that. But it's basically him just wasting a whole lot of time for the Congress uh, to, for for political expediency. He pulled that thing trying to. I, I don't know what the end game was, if I'm if I'm honest, I really don't. It's it's tough to determine what their motivations are half the time on the left. But the only thing I can surmise is that he was trying to stall the vote and and, uh, you know, kind of like what they accused the January Sixers of doing. But so Jamal Bowman. A rare 
male member of the squad has been censored. And of course, other squad members rallied to his side saying this was all politically motivated. This is all designed uh, to, uh, to, to just waste the taxpayers money and all the right. All, all the crap you'd expect them to say. Um, and again, that's very rich given what they've done to what they've done to, uh, uh, to, to President Trump and all Trump affiliates and Trump supporters, the J6ers I mentioned, which, by the way, we're going to be talking about with uh, with Cynthia Hughes. There's some story. There's a news on that front that when I read it, I was just stunned. Uh, and Cynthia will break all that down with us. And speaking of Biden corruption, how about this? Reading from FoxNews.com. A former business associate of Hunter Biden is pushing back against President Joe Biden, who claimed, you'll recall yesterday, uh, that that it was actually, beg your pardon, it was actually the day before yesterday, Tuesday. He said uh, when he was, he held a presser and as he was walking away, some reporters shouted to him. And one of them that caught his ear was, what do you have to say about uh, associating with some of your son's business partners from overseas. Biden said uh, that was all a bunch of lies, and they're all lies. Uh, What did he say? He says, I'm not going to comment. I did not, and it's just a bunch of lies. They're lies. I did not. They're lies. And then he shuffled off stage left. Uh, And, of course, everybody came out and said, what do you mean they're lies? We've got photographs with you uh in restaurants with these people we have photographs with you on a golf course with some of these people so the, the only person lying here buddy is you well fox news digital has reported extensively on the mounting evidence contrasting biden's claims or deniability you know, his denials including hunter's former friend and longtime business part- partner eric schwerin who visited the obama white house and then vice president's residence which of course would have been joe biden back in the day he said, we, we visited dozens of times between 2009 and 2016. Schwerin was a founding partner and managing director of Hunter's now dissolved firm, Rosemont Seneca Partners, when he was appointed by then President Obama to the Commission for the Preservation of America's Heritage Abroad, an independent U.S. government agency, read money laundering operation. Uh, at any rate, he was involved with Hunter in Rosemont Seneca. And when he heard what Joe Biden said, he basically just shook his head and said, uh, that's BS, uh, because we met with him dozens of times. Things are getting hot and heavy here, man. I'm telling you, I know the media is, uh, well, they're not, they don't like to report on this type of stuff because it, it goes against their narrative and it certainly goes against their desired agenda and their desired outcome. But stuff is coming out and it's not just from James Comer, although Comer is doing a hell of a job with oversight. Judiciary, yeah, a little bit. Jordan's got some goods, but he seems to be slow walking it a little bit more. But make no mistake about it, my friends, the uh, the party in charge right now is very, very nervous. They're nervous about the possibility of Joe Biden going down to defeat. They're worried about the possibility of Joe Biden really bringing the party with him. And they're also worried about the possibility that we're going to find out that many in the party were fully aware, and they are, of Joe Biden's grifting ways internationally and that it's going to all be exposed before the election and they are freaking out about it. And when you have Eric Schwerin come out and say yes, and now remember, you've also got Tony Bobolinsky that's come out. Even Devin Archer has dropped a few dimes on this subject. It doesn't look good. 
And, and that's, because, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. There's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of fire here. And the media uh, seemingly is trying to ignore this. And I don't know that they're going to be able to, especially when Joe Biden says they're all lies, they're all lies, because now you're basically telling the media any reporting you've done on this is BS. And now that's kind of challenging. That's like waving red in front of a bull. Now they're like, God, we don't want to report on this. But God, we kind of have to report on this, don't we? And that's what I what I think the Democrats are most most afraid of because they know uh, that this is starting to come to a head. So we shall uh, we shall see how it plays out from here. But it's going to be very interesting to follow these uh, the the whole the oversight committee hearings and everything else going forward. It's going to be interesting, and it's going also going to be interesting to see who in the Hunter Biden camp decides they want to save their own ass and decides to drop a few dimes and cop some pleas or whatever. We'll see. Of course, this all comes down to the DOJ, doesn't it? And that's why I'm nervous about it, because Merrick Garland, I have a tough time believing that Merrick Garland is going to go after Hunter Biden in a full-throated way. God knows if it was Hunter Trump, it'd be a different story. Now, we do know that Hunter Biden, through his lawyer, Abby Lowell, has once again stated that he is not going to sit for a closed-door deposition. That is going to get him contempt of Congress, and then we'll really see uh, who butters Merrick Garland's bread? I think we know the answer to that. Hey, why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all the uh, major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, Getter, all of them. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Going 360 on the headlines. It's really well-balanced conversation. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. Okay, let's welcome uh, Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus, to the party here. Uh, this is an interesting story. On Thursday, that would be today, hundreds of disgruntled Washington Post staffers walked off the job as part of a historic 24-hour work stoppage, reportedly in protest to stalled union contract negotiations and expected layoffs. Wow, Jeff Bezos is freaking out. Who's going to? Who's who's going to write the articles for tomorrow morning's uh, headlines? I don't know. Let's welcome. Uh, let's uh, welcome Russia. Uh, uh, Ruckus. Ruckus. What's what's the deal here, man? You were going to call me a Russian bot, weren't you, Steve? I knew it. Um, <laughs> we've actually talked about that. That's funny. Uh, so yeah, this is uh, this uh, involves about a um, seven hundred Washington Wapo. We'll just call them Wapo uh, employees. Uh, they walked off the job today. Uh, it's a 24-hour strike, apparently. Uh, according to the New York Times, the strike is the first walkout at the Post since the 1970s, um, at quoting what union leaders are saying. Uh, and it comes as the publication grapples with stagnant subscription numbers and low morale at all. The union um, for them uh, is called the Post Guild. They said that it had been negotiating a contract for 18 months, but that the Post's management had, re quote, refused to bargain in good faith, end quote, and had shut down negotiations over key issues. The union represents more than 1,000 employees, including journalists. Is that what they're called over there? Uh, and some people on the company's business side. In a statement, a Post spokeswoman said the company respected the right of its union members to go on strike. Uh, she said, quote, we will make sure our read oh, quote, we will make sure our readers and customers are as unaffected as possible. The Post's goal remains the same as it has from the start of our negotiations 
to reach an agreement with the guild that meets the needs of our employees and the needs of our business, end quote. You'll notice that they didn't seem to care much about the readers uh, in this argument. Uh, the Post, owned, as you mentioned, Steve, by Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, has struggled in the post-Trump era to gain paying online readers. Subscriptions dropped to about 2.5 million this year from a peak of 3 million back in 2020. Earlier this year, the, po the Post was on pace to lose $100 million in 2023, according to people with knowledge of the company's finances. Though it continues to be known for its <laughs> Pulitzer Prize winning journalism. I'm quoting the story, folks. Uh, the Post also has seen a mass exodus of top tier journalists and business side executives in the past two years. In October, the Post's interim chief executive, Patty Stonecipher announced that the company would cut 240 jobs from its 2,600-person workforce, citing business challenges. She replaced Fred Ryan, who stepped down as chief executive in June. The 240 jobs were initially expected to come through voluntary buyouts, but Ms. Stonecipher told workers last month that layoffs might be needed to reach that number. So the employees are afraid of this coming down soon. In early November, the Post named Will Lewis, a former publisher of the Wall Street Journal, as its next chief executive and publisher. Uh, and Mr. Lewis will start on January 2nd. Um, Sarah Kaplan, a climate reporter and chief steward of the Post Guild, lovely, said in an interview that one sticking point over the new contract was wages. The Post had proposed a 2.25% increase, which Ms. Kaplan had amounted to a quote-unquote pay cut when taking inflation into account. <laughs> All that being said, Steve, the union asked readers not to engage with any post content in print or online on Thursday, saying in a, in a letter that, quote, taking this historic action is not a decision we came to lightly, end quote. Now, as you can well imagine, non-Washington Post readers have been having quite a fun time with this, saying things like, I'm just going to share what, what one commenter had to say about this on social media, but you'll get the idea, quote, I guess this means I'll be unblocking the Washington Post for a day. I despise the fascist, quote unquote, journalists more than the paper itself, end quote. There's been a lot of commentary like that. So it's kind of fun. I might make a, a, a few jabs on my Twitter later. Who knows? But what do you think, Steve? <laughs> it's just, you know, th there's, th there's a rich sense of irony in all of this. Their readership has dropped. It's been just slashed in large part because Trump is no longer president. Yet they're, they're winning Pulitzer Prizes because they're pushing lies about former President Trump. And yet now, in a, in, a, in a weird twist of fate, they kind of need Trump to save them. Uh, you know, I tell you what, it's kind of be careful what you wish for. They got their wish. Trump is out of office. They're dealing with an incompetent, cognitively gone sock puppet. Uh, and nobody wants to read their tripe anymore. Uh, I, I'm, I laugh about it because not only do I find it amusing because it's so bloody ironic, but also because, you know, Ruckus, these are the same folks that love to rib on Elon Musk. They love to rub his face in it. You're losing advertisers. Well, you're losing employers, WAPO, uh, uh, employees, rather. And it's just going to get bad. It's, I think it's going to get worse uh, for a lot of print media. I think this is just the first domino to fall. I wouldn't be surprised if we see, see this at the New York Times, L.A. Times, SAC B, and 
Chicago Trib, and on and on and on. They're dealing with the same thing that a lot of us in the in the uh, media world have dealt with, and that is a changing environment and how people get their news. Less and less people are concerned about what the Washington Post has to say, regardless of their phony, fraudulent uh, Pulitzer prizes. But uh, it's going to be interesting. Now, I wonder how long this is. This just like a twenty-four hour sit-out ruckus, or are they saying we're not going to go back until we get this resolved? This twenty-four hours, apparently. Uh, so the, those poor readers who love their Washington Post have to go a full 24 hours before they can log back in and get their daily propaganda. So sad. I wonder wonder what they're going to line their bird cages with tomorrow. Oh, well. <laughs> <Good one. laughs> okay. Ruckus, thank you very much, brother. Interesting story. Well, I'm sure we'll follow up when that one is it as it continues to ramp up. Uh, and we'll talk to you in an hour, brother. You have a good one. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, there he goes. That's Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. You're listening to State of the Nation on uh, today's News Talk uh, TNT Radio. Stick around. We've got a great hour to go. A couple hours, actually. First hour, a big one, though. Our first guest will be Steve Cohen, and we'll welcome him to the program right after this. Rick Munn on TNT Radio. There was a a statement that I saw last week that I thought was quite interesting from one of these uh, web spokespeople, the World Economic Forum spokesperson. And one thing that she said that I thought was quite interesting was she said, you know, um, there has been a little bit of a tail off with people buying into the vaccine narrative, and she blamed that on people like us spreading so-called missing disinformation. She said that climate change was a little bit too much of an abstract concept for people to really grab and get their heads around. So that's not really taking off the way they want to either. Then she said something very interesting. She said, you know what? When the water crisis comes, people will understand that because it's simple and everybody needs water. And if you don't have water for a few days at a time, you'll know all about it. So maybe, you know, we're hypothesizing a little bit about what it's going to take to grab people and bring them back on board again with a World Economic Forum type narrative. Could this be what it is? Locked and Loaded with Rick Munn on today's News Talk TNT Radio. The Light is Britain's far-right conspiracy theory paper spreading hate and vicious lies. No, that's what the BBC say. The Light is the only national newspaper bringing you the real news and informed opinion on what's really going on today. You can subscribe, order copies, submit articles and read back issues on our website thelightpaper.co.uk and see for yourself why the establishment are so worried about the uncensored truth getting out to people every month. The Light Paper. Not for right, just right so far. thelightpaper.co.uk Are we on the air? Am I on the air? You're on the air. On the air 24-7. Your news talk giant. TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation on TNT Radio. We're always happy to welcome our next guest. Steve Cohen is America's longest-serving television news director. As hell, he's been at it for over 50 years now, starting his career in Peoria in 1973, went to New York City. And by the way, if you like Court TV, you can thank Steve for that. He's a founding executive producer of Court TV, and he joins us now. Steve, it's always wonderful uh, to welcome you to the program. And uh, I just wanted to kind of, weigh in to get you to weigh in rather on what we witnessed last night i know a lot of people didn't watch this final debate but boy howdy it had haymakers and uh and and one thing that shocked me steve was that i heard chris christie actually call someone else a blowhard and the irony needles were pinning when that happened i'm like wait a minute did he just call vivek a blowhard from christie 
What did you think about this debate we saw last night? Well, you know, I I, I did my best uh, preparing for your show, Steve, to just get a sense of what the pundits are saying. So let's start there. So if you're on if you're on the American left and progressive, they have been backing Vivek, believe it or not. And the reason they're backing Vivek, I think, is because they they so see him as being what they are, which are folks who are elites, wealthy, uh, sort of experts on everything. And they sort of like him. Also, they know that if he was the candidate, that he's a obvious loser. Uh, on the right, I think that it was split. Uh, again, depending on who you're looking at, I think most folks feel that Nikki Haley still held up well, though, that she was reserved, calm, um, able to say what was on her mind. Although she was being attacked from everyone, she held up well. And then I think uh, the, the mainstream right, if I would say that to invent a new term, the mainstream right, I still think are behind DeSantis and felt that DeSantis held up well in what they were classifying as his second debate. Because remember, he had a debate with Governor Newsom, uh, the king of Newsom land here in California, and he did very well against him. So my analysis is I, I do I do feel that Nikki Haley still, by and large, came out better uh, than DeSantis, who just has a personality that's so combative at this point. It seems like he's just always shooting from a foxhole instead of taking the role of being in charge. But then I want to say, Steve, obviously, that has to be said. None of them rose to the to the nature of a Donald Trump if he was standing next to them in terms yeah. of firepower on issues as well as commitment to a conservative viewpoint. That, that, yeah, that's yeah. Sort of my general take on it. Yeah, no. And, and you know, it is it, it was. It came as no surprise to me that Nikki Haley would take the most incoming. Uh, yeah. She's been getting a lot of uh, support lately. Hell, even some folks on the on the left are, are throwing their support to her in terms of campaign dollars and whatnot. But, uh, you know, you kind of bring up a point, though. We, we're talking about the elephant in the room here with Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not on that stage. Now, in years past, Steve, We'd be able to say, well, you know, these guys are hanging in there. These guys and gals are hanging in there. They're probably looking for a spot in the cabinet. They're probably looking to, uh, uh, you know, to burnish their name for a future run. Maybe that's true with Vivek. I don't know. But none of them, certainly not Christie, certainly not Nikki Haley, and absolutely not Ron DeSantis are going to be in the cabinet. So that begs the question. Are they wasting our time? What are they doing this for? Trump has got a 40-point lead right now. Isn't it all but determined? No, I don't think so. And I, 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 I will agree with, um, with Governor DeSantis on this. I do think that we overemphasize polling. I mean, all the experience that I, I've had since we invented polling back in the day, it is a very flawed uh, idea of polling, especially today, since most of the polling is not done by a human being on a phone to a human being. It's done by some other device, particularly the internet. So the projectability of any of these polls, I think, is suspect. Now, is it suspect to 30%? No, it's probably, you know, five to 10 points right or wrong. So I agree with you that I think the polls are very strong. But I don't agree that it still isn't worth the debate. I do think that they all had valid points. And I think that when the question was asked directly, 
would you support Donald Trump? And three of them were silent. And Christie was the only one who really said, you know, I won't, I'm not a Trump supporter. I mean, that tells the, the GOP voters, I think, everything they want to know. Do these people have the guts to say that Trump is the wrong guy to go up against whoever the Democrats finally choose? Yeah, well, cer- certainly not in a in a live debate setting. They didn't. And Christie, it, that comes as no shock that Chris Christie would be the only one to pipe up there because by most accounts, most people view the only reason he got in uh, was was to take out Trump. And I can tell you, Steve, speaking as a, as a New Jersey resident, that man couldn't be elected dog catcher in this state right now. Uh, he left a bad feeling in people's mouths uh, with a few different uh, screw ups. I mean, the, the, we all talk about the bridge closing and all that. Sure. Also, after after Sandy, he warmly embraced Obama. That infuriated a whole bunch of Republicans in this state and around the nation, for that matter. But OK, so if you don't think that it's a waste of our time and 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 listen, the problem with with this debate last night was on a network that nobody really knows about. I mean, it was hard to find. You had to look for it. So I don't I haven't seen the numbers for these uh, the debates yet, but I'd wager that more people have watched the punditry class talk about this debate the day after than actually watched the debate. Um, yeah, I think that I think that's right. And also the. The, the video clips that were, have been selected to show to America are, as you would expect, the not probative um, clips that have to do with policy. They have to do with the circumstance of one personality against another. For instance, Christie taking on uh, Vivek and saying that you're the biggest blowhard that we've that we've ever seen. <laughs> right. Um, his defense, his his defense of of. Uh, uh, you know, of, of Haley, I thought was a strong, was a strong soundbite, but none of that has to do with policy. They talked about uh, Chinese economic policy at some length. Nobody saw that. They talked about, are we going to support the Ukraine? Nobody saw that. What they saw was Vivek saying, you can't name three provinces that you want to defend. Like who cares? I mean, so, so it really was a debate that probably got less than 4 million viewers is my guess, way less than 4 million viewers seen by a few people with sound bites that are not meaningful. So when you put that together, I mean, your conclusion that you started with is like, why do we, why are we doing this? I mean, that's where the validity comes in because the American public aren't seeing it or care, but I want- the GOP voters do care and they care still, it seems about that Donald Trump's their guy. Yeah, I agree. I, I just wonder, Steve, you've been in, you've been in this racket for a long time now. Uh, you've seen you've seen the political machinations come and go. Uh, we're in a time that is very odd. It, uh, for my memory, I can never remember a time. It's it's easy to say, oh, it's never been this divisive. Well, it has been. It's been yeah. even more divisive if you go back and look at the election of eighteen twenty. But but in modern American history, uh, what what I think is so striking and almost scary is so many folks on both sides of the aisle really have no concept of what's going on because we live in a click and share and a like, and, a uh, in a society now where a news cycle is 24 seven, a lot of people are kind of tuning out. Um, and we're starting to see that with, and you touched on it. The coverage we've seen from this debate was the stuff that's going to get the clicks. Oh my God. Did you see Christie called Vivek a blowhard? Oh my God. Did you see Vivek, uh, called out uh, Nikki Haley and said she can't name three provinces. You're right. It's 
that's just fluff. It doesn't mean anything, but that's the stuff that is promoted because that's the stuff that gets the shares. That's the stuff that gets the clicks. And as far as I'm concerned, this is all to our detriment. Don't, don't you agree? I, th- I think that the, the purpose of the debates uh, historically has been to establish common ground uh, between the, the, the participants so that you would get a sense of, well, what are the issues that really matter? That's not the case today. Instead, what happens is people uh, move off into their own silos of information, which are self-congratulatory. So if you don't like, if you like Vivek, you are with him all the way. Same same with Nikki. What you don't have is a sort of bridge building of controversy across issues that matter. The result is that just what you said is that America is not getting a fair deal and a fair message of what we should be talking about. So then you look at our friends in Congress who can't agree on whether we should fund Israel, the Ukraine and the border, which are three really important topics. And guess what? That didn't even come up in the debate last night. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It didn't, it yeah. didn't even come up that of what we're doing with our with our funder mechanism and whether or not the border is protected or not, which, of course, is a major tenant of what Donald Trump has to say. If you take all of Donald Trump's statements about his defense and in his 90, 91 different indictments that he has, but listen to his core beliefs, that's why the GOP faithful are still with him, because his core beliefs have not changed. Border protection, strong foreign, foreign policy, maintenance of the Judeo-Christian ethic, all of these things are things that Donald Trump has always believed in. And that, by the way, just in case everybody forgot, there were 75 million of us, right, who yeah. voted the other way. Now, yeah. what happened to those 75 million? Those four people last night were not talking to the 75 million. And that's why that debate was irrelevant, in my view. Yeah. We're talking to Steve Cohen. Steve, we're going to take a real quick headline. We're going to come back, and I want to discuss some of the issues that are important, and you touched on a couple of them, and uh, and, and we'll discuss those and get your take on that. You're, uh, you're watching and listening to State of the Nation on TNT Radio. We'll be back with Steve Cohen after this headline. We're ready. We're ready. News. The news is our business, and we never close. Never close. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. The man suspected of killing three people during a daylight mass shooting at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas on Wednesday has been identified as a professor who failed to secure a job at the school. The High Court in London has thrown out objections to government plans to use two disused RAF bases to house single male illegal immigrants seeking asylum. A rule change means that people will have to provide medical reports if coming to the UK to get a gender recognition certificate from certain countries. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Okay, you're back with State of the Nation on TNT Radio, and we're back with Steve Cohen, longtime news director, been around for a long time, and that's why we wanted to get you on the program today, Steve, and talk about this, because... As we're discussing what's going on with the coverage, not only of the debate, but frankly, the coverage of everything, whether it's the funding for Ukraine and Israel, the border, all all those subjects that you touched on. If you were a news director today uh, and and you were saying this is where we're going to go, let's just say 
Uh, Steve Cohen is the news director for ABC Network or CBS, one of the big three. Would it? Would you be saying, look, get off the fluff and get on the important topics? I think the Republicans are absolutely right to say we want to separate funding from Ukraine and, and Israel and the southern border instead of all this omnibus crap. But but how would you cover this? How would you have your uh, station cover these these topics? Well, I, I, one, I think that it's not cover or don't cover. I always felt it's about proportionality. You cover everything, but you're known by what amount of time and proportion you give to any given part. For instance, yesterday is a good example. You know, Time Magazine, who I don't even know if anybody buys Time Magazine anymore, but Time Magazine decided Taylor Swift would be, uh, you know, the woman of the year front cover. Well, there's no reason not to cover that. It's valid. But do you want to give that as much time and effort as you do what's ha- what is happening with ha- with Hamas and the circling of the leader of Hamas's home in um, in Gaza? I don't think so. So it's not a matter of cover or don't cover. It's what's your proportion. And I think that's what's the matter with coverage today is that the proportionality of things that don't really matter or things that are just damn interesting to deal with, diversionary things, get way more proportionality than the things that really matter. Why is that? It's because the American public is less interested in the things that matter than the things that don't matter. That's been the shift. That's what's happened to us as a country. And the the result is that the two parties don't seem to be responsive to that other than that they're playing along. And I think that's where the Trump folks have said, no, no, we're not going to play along. This is what we care about. And, and if you believe in us, you care you care about that. If if you believe that the border is not secure, then we need to spend more time on that. If, if you ask me, I would have had someone at the border giving us updates on the border and what's happened with the Border Patrol guys who are under this enormous pressure to keep our our borders safe and are and are unfunded. I also would do something on on what's happened now that a 411 uh, rank officers of the military are going to be cleared. What does that do for the military? But at the same yeah. time, we've got this we, we've got this problem with the Hooties. I don't think you can find 10 people on a street anywhere in New Jersey that will tell you who is a Hootie. And why are they giving <laughs> us why and why are they giving us trouble? They're going to think that Hootie is Hootie and the Blowfish. You know, and that, well, yeah. but that's our problem. People yeah, don't know you're... more about Hootie and the Blowfish. God bless him, as they yeah. will, as as they will, the guys that are attacking U.S. Navy, U.S. Navy ships are being attacked by these these fellows outside of Yemen. So yeah. it seems to me that you can select as a news chief what you decide to cover and how much coverage you wish to give it, and you don't even have to then put a spin on it. You don't have to spin anything. Your coverage defines your spin. It defines who you are. Yeah. And unfortunately, I think it answers it brilliantly. I think you're right about the hootie thing. And for those who don't know, and I think most people that listen to and watch TNT do know the Houthis are basically an Iranian proxy based out of Yemen. They've been launching missiles and drones uh, and uh, the U.S. Navy has been shooting them down as fast as they could. And and frankly, there's been no real response from the administration on that, which is kind of telling in a lot of ways. But it does answer the question, Steve. And it also it, it it's also troubling, though. And I think that I can sense that you're a little bit troubled uh, by it because it does seem that we live in this world now. 
You watch anybody at 25, 18 to 25, maybe 30 years old, they will sit on a couch and watch clip after clip after clip after clip on TikTok. That's where they get their information. They're, they're, it's almost, it's almost that they're willfully ignorant or they just don't have time for it anymore. And I really do wish that people would start to realize that, you know, we're in a world of hurt here in a lot of ways. And some people just seem to be kind of just kind of casually walking through life, not paying attention. I don't know where to, to put the blame on that. I guess, I guess we're all kind of at fault for it, but I would think that some of these news directors seem to be like, they're, they're more interested in the clicks and the, and, and the, and the fluff than the hard news. And, and that's what I think, what I think what it's really, you know what it's really about. It's not avoidance. It's that folks that run news organizations often, you know, they, everybody works for big bosses today. It's not like in my era where you could have a small town family that would own a television station or radio group. They're all the big guys and the big guys yeah. are mega companies with big profit and loss statements. Nobody wants to get hurt. Everybody wants to employ their hundred people duck, cause no ripples and go on. But guess what? The ripples are there, whether you want them to be there or not. And our responsibility, you and I and other people who talk about these things is to say, let's not avoid talking about where the problems are. We have to face them. And if we don't face them, we're going to get debates like we got last night, which are debates about nothing rather than about substance. Yeah, here, here. I agree. And the funny thing about that debate last night, Steve, is it did seem like people came in and and I've noticed this the last couple of debates uh, that they come in with with, with canned lines. They know they're going to say they're just waiting for the right opportunity to get in there because they know that's going to get shared. That's going to make the that's going to maybe trend on Twitter or X now. Um, Yeah, we got it. We got to start getting getting a little bit more serious about what's going on. But the trick as a communicate, the trick as a communicator is, is to have those lines, but to deliver them in an extemporaneous way. And the problem is that none of those folks are good at that. Note, if you look at, um, you know, anybody, anybody from the past, I mean, I, I would Reagan. say, look at, look at Reagan, who had yeah. all these cans line, but delivered as, as though they just came out, you know, just came out of his head. Why? Because he was, he was great at that. He was a great actor. But other people are good at it, too. I think Barack Obama was was very skilled in the communication yeah. arts and, and and did a great job with it. Although, you know, I, I didn't agree with any of his policies, but I certainly agree with his ability to sell his policies. And and even DeSantis, who I think as a policy guy, really does have the chops. I mean, he has great policy background in Florida. It's just that this embattled persona that he has adopted yeah. of being at war doesn't seem to work with the American public. If he would just be relaxed and at ease with what he's done, like he was, I think, in the Newsom debate, I think he'd be a lot better off. I agree with you completely on that because he does seem to be that he's always on the defensive. Uh, and and in, and when when DeSantis is on the defensive, he goes on the offensive and it doesn't doesn't work for him. You interviewed Ronald Reagan, Steve, years ago. What do you think yeah. he would make of this day and age right now? How do you think he would? Uh, I, cope oh, with I, this? You know, I, I you know, I like to think that. Um, he would agree with where I'm coming from, which is that the sense of humor, civility, I, optimism that is eternal, that we can get through this, is better than being angry and dismissive of each other and attacking each other. Uh, yeah. On his worst day, I don't believe Ronald Reagan ever would have attacked anyone 
the way they did. Ronald Reagan, the difference between Republicans, all you have to do is look at Ronald Reagan at one end of the spectrum and, spectrum and Richard Nixon at the other end of the spectrum, and you see the difference in personalities. They both were very effective in office. Um, uh, certainly, uh, Nixon was very effective until the end. Uh, Reagan, I, I think, you know, it's, it's harder to judge Reagan in, in terms of uh, black or white, but they were both very effective. But Ronald Reagan adopted a way of looking at the world which made you feel that you wanted to be there with him, right? Yeah, yeah, he did. You wanted, you wanted to be in, Ra- in Reagan's stead. You wanted to be next to him. And politicians that you want to be next to are big winners. Obama was one of those, Bill Clinton in the common era and in his first administration. So it's not about party. It's about person. It's about yeah. essence. And, and this word that we get lost that didn't, it did not appear last night, authenticity. Yeah. Are you authentic? Is this really who I'm going to get? And, you know, and, and again, I, I, I'm going to use Trump's name again. I mean, you, you can dislike Donald Trump all you want, but what you see is what you get. He didn't fool anybody. That's, that's, that's who he is. And, and you can and, you know, see certain people can detest that. And I understand that. Um, and I think that's true of Joe Biden, too. I think that Joe Biden is very is very authentic and you can buy it or not. And buy it. And I think Ronald Reagan would say, be who you are and hope yeah. that who you are is acceptable to the people that vote for you. There you go. Well, Steve Cohen, we're going to have to leave it there. As always, sir, I want to say thank you very much. It's always a pleasure. It's almost Fun like I'm sitting it. at the mat. It's almost like I'm sitting at the master's feet when I listen to you. And I really do appreciate you. And I look forward to chatting with you again. Have a wonderful day, Steve. Thank you so much you for too. joining take us on now. State of the Nation. All right, Thanks, take Steve. care. You got it. All right, there he goes. That's Steve Cohen. You're listening to State of the Nation with me, Steve Hook. Hesher is off, but he'll be back before long. Let's take a quick break, and we come back, and we will chat with Cynthia Hughes right after this. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, of course, the biggest story in climate right now is Vice President Kamala Harris leaves for the climate conference with the biggest carbon footprint in history. She's heading to Abu Dhabi or whatever for COP28 in Joe's place with hosts under fire for wanting to push oil and gas deals. Do you know why there's so many people there? Because they realize what a scam this is and they're trying to push oil and gas deals. Anyway, she left and there's 400,000 people expected there. Now, do you really believe that those 400,000 people are all interested in eliminating fossil fuels? I would say there are quite a few of them, given Abu Dhabi is in the Middle East and there's a lot of oil in the Middle East, that are seeking to do business because they know what a scam this is. And let's see, at its head, Sultan Al-Jabbar has denied reports he's using meetings at the summit to make side deals on fossil fuels produced by the United Arab Emirates. I'm sure he's smart enough to probably be doing that. This is TNT climate and weather watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather, even if we can't go over to Abu Dhabi, because it's the only weather you got. I want to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. I need to eat, eat, eat apples and bananas. Why can't I eat, eat, eat apples and bananas? 
support the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks to help provide meals to those in need. Join us at feedingamerica.org. You're with Brian McLean and Steve Hook and State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome back to State of the Nation, uh, although this time you're only with me. Brian Hesher McLean is on assignment. We will be getting uh, some, uh, we'll, we'll get him on probably tomorrow with a phoner or something. At any rate, welcome back. And we're very happy to welcome back to the program a dear friend of the show, Cynthia Hughes. Cynthia, of course, is the founder of the Patriot Freedom Project. She's also the author of the book, due process welcome back to the show cynthia it's great to have you um and i must tell you that when we spoke off air i was stunned with what you shared with me it seems that u.s judges in dc are doing their level best to deny any form of legal defense for j sixers that are still locked up they're political prisoners is what they are and i want to discuss specifically the case of jeremy daniel gross uh, Cynthia, why don't you kind of get us out, get, get everybody up to speed on this? Cause this is shocking. Oh, Steve, first of all, thank you as always for having me on. I appreciate it very much. I like our off, you know, off the air conversations and I know how passionate you are about my work. Um, so Jeremy, uh, husband, father of two, you know, young children, he, um, one of his children has uh, a disability. Um, you know, the wife works, he works, uh, he went to the Capitol, he's charged with misdemeanor charges and, uh, he's struggling. He's, you know, gotten a lot of negative, um, you know, attention and publicity. So, uh, he does a lot of farm work. So that has taken away from his livelihood. His wife is working overtime, uh, you know, to compensate and make up and they're stressed. They're very, very stressed. And so, uh, Jeremy, um, reached out to Jerry Perna and, uh, you know, Jerry gave me a call and I said, you know, we have to set up a fundraiser for him and, you know, bring him into the, you know, to the network and get him connected, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, our different supports that we offer. And, uh, so Jerry was, you know, she was a, a hustler and, and amazing. She, uh, was very, uh, you know, felt very compassionate to help him get his, his fundraiser set up um, on a platform called Give, Send, Go. And that's where most January 6th defendants are setting up their fundraiser because GoFundMe uh, will not allow any January 6th defendant to set up any fundraiser on their platform. And I don't know if that's being talked about, but you know, you know how, you know, cancel culture, Steve. But anyway, yeah. um, so Give, Send, Go has been uh, very kind and gracious and they have not interfered or meddled. They've allowed these defendants to open up these fundraisers. God bless them for that. And many have been very, um, you know, have, have been very blessed to have raised, you know, significant money. And Jeremy was one of them. We were all sharing his fundraiser. Myself, Julie Kelly, Brandon Strzok, Jerry, Derek Evans, just a ton of us, you know, Ed Martin. And, um, and he quickly raised over $30,000 like in a weekend. And that was going to be used was, for his legal defense, correct? Yes, we had we had connected him with uh, with, a you know, with a lawyer. Um, we gave him a couple of names. He spoke to a few of the lawyers. He decided who he wanted to hire. And the lawyer, you know, was was eager to take the case on. Um, and they went to court uh, like a couple of days after that, that, you know, weekend, you know, 
blessing that, you know, came his way. And the judge, Judge Cooper in this case, uh, refused, refused to allow Jeremy to hire his own lawyer. He said to Jeremy, you're not, you know, you had all this time to hire your own lawyer. You're not hiring a lawyer now because you're trying to delay your case. I know what you're trying to do. You know, these judges are, they're, they're, I, they're like Stalin. I don't know how else to say it. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's exactly. just, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, well, um, so they've, they have now um, stolen Jeremy's funds. You know, you have all these Americans here in the country who wanted to help Jeremy's family and help Jeremy who donated to his fundraiser. And, uh, and now you have a judge, well, you have a process. You, I sent you the, the motion, you read it. You have a prosecution yep. who has, not only quoted Jerry Perna, but is using Jerry Perna against Jeremy and using Jerry's words, um, you know, that they were raising money. I mean, I, I, I'm running out of things to say uh, with regard to this stuff, Steve, it's, it's, this is becoming more and more sinister by the second. Yeah. Let's, let, let's kind of, let's kind of drill down on this a little bit if we can, Cynthia. Uh, just to get everybody up to speed, because I read the motion. I was floored by it. It came across Stalin. I think I think even Stalin is probably smiling from his grave as he watches this. <laughs> this is straight up uh, star chamber type uh, actions by this judge. Jeremy is, uh, you know, he, he's under financial duress. Obviously, he can't do his job. Uh, it's obvious that uh, that these prosecutors want to just take everybody that was involved in J6, regardless of how significant their actions were. He was a this is a misdemeanor. So he needs the money. A bunch of Americans chip in and say this isn't right to have political prisoners. And then all of a sudden the prosecutor says, now, wait a damn minute. We don't want him to have the ability to use any of this money that was freely given to him uh, via a, a campaign to help pay his legal defense. And the judge goes along with that. That's yeah. that's what just boggles my mind. A judge basically said, you don't have a right to defense. Screw you. You're a treasonous insurrectionist, and we're going to take you down. He didn't actually come out and say that, but reading between the lines, that's it. I'm, I'm always a firm believer in actions speak louder than words. And the action of this prosecutor and these judges is staggering and Sadly, it's not getting the media attention it deserves because nobody wants to side with a bunch of treasonous insurrectionists, even though you and I both know that's a BS claim if ever there was one. It's true. It's true. Steve, you're right about everything. You're yeah. right about everything, my friend. Well, well, how 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 can he proceed here? How how can he go forward? I mean, absent a a Trump pardon in 2025, which I would assume would come. How is he going to proceed here? Are, are they just trying to basically break these people oh, financially? hundred percent. And, and they have, and they have broken a lot of these people, you know, you know, Steve, everybody talks about the day of January 6th, right? And everybody talks about what happened that day and exposing what happened that day. And it's so important. It's so important. We do that, but nobody is talking about everything else. And I'm talking about marriages breaking up, Children who have had to move out of the only house they've ever known, children who have had to change schools, children who are no longer, you know, have health insurance because dad no longer has a job and is in prison. 
Now, Steve, I'm very open and candid about this, and you know that. If somebody yep. went to the Capitol and they committed serious, you know, assaults on a police officer or another person, I mean, we can't turn a blind eye to that, okay? But I have to tell you, there's not many people who did that. There's, there's, a, there's some, but there's not many. And what's happening here to these people um, is, is something that we've never seen in this country before. Trump supporters, is, you know, specifically are held to a different, you know, set of rules, a whole different set of laws, a whole different constitution. And, and it doesn't even end there, Steve. It doesn't even end there. You know, you have this crazy charge called obstruction of an official proceeding, uh, the famous 1512 charge that was, um, you know, created when uh, we were dealing with the uh, Enron fiasco. Um, and yep. it's basically a charge about documents, you know, mishandling documents has nothing to do with January 6 at all. And yet these prosecutors are using it in a very weaponized way against Americans. My nephew, Tim, he was charged with obstruction of an official proceeding, and he's been in jail since January 15th of 2021. And we're going on just about three years that he's been behind bars. And you're talking about a man with no criminal history. You're talking about a man who was in the army at the time of January 6th for 12 years. And just like that, they took his freedom away, his rights away, took his army career away, took his housing from the army away and said, you get nothing now because you're a dirty insurrectionist. That is what's happening here. Okay. Now we have a great lawyer. Tim has a great lawyer. This lawyer, Nick Smith, he's a, a phenomenal lawyer. He's, the, you know, one of the best J6 lawyers that we have on these cases. And he has written a cert petition um, that is going to be reviewed by the Supreme Court tomorrow. And this ruling, if it goes in our favor, which I'm not too optimistic, um, will, will be a game changer on the obstruction charge. Because then that means everybody who was charged with obstruction, everybody, it goes away for them. But here's yeah. the problem with that. There's two other people who have filed a cert petition as well. And it could be, you know, it could be a little bit detrimental to the one that Nick has filed. Um, you know, there's there's another petition floating around by a Janu another January 6th defendant and his attorney, and he's getting some attention. Um, all eyes need to be on Nick Smith's uh, 1512 cert petition. It's okay, the most so important petition. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, we're, we're going to run out of time, and I don't want to run out of time before we get this in. So... Basically, I, I assume what's happening here, Cynthia, is SCOTUS is going to have to determine whether they're going to take the case on. In other words, they're going to see whether these J6ers deserve standing um, and whether they're going to take this on. Um, and if they do, it could be good things. I, I certainly can you make us a promise? Will you come back on this show in a week or two and, 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 and follow up on this? Because this is just staggering what's going on right yes, now. Yes, I will. We're going to know on Monday. So please, everybody that's listening, pray. And if you want to help Jeremy, please go to PatriotFreedomProject.com. This is why Patriot Freedom Project is so important, Steve, because we're not okay. a January 6th defendant. You're right. You're right. Cynthia Hughes, God bless. Thank you for the work you're doing. Uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Yep. Okay. Well, you're listening to State of the Nation. We've got a full hour to go. Stick around. More coming up on TNT Radio right after this.